0: Welcome to The Reading Project Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Ashley D. from Your Reading Tutor, LLC. I am a private reading tutor, podcaster, virtual summit host, and business mentor. I'm also a wife and a homeschooling mama to my two kiddos. My mission is to help families, caregivers, and educators build stronger and more confident readers one episode at a time. I want you to know that you don't have to be a teacher to help your struggling reader. Over the last few years, I have helped dozens of families and students, including my own son, move from being reluctant to confident readers, and I'm here to show you that you can too. Thank you so much for being here and listening to the podcast. I'd love to know you're out there, so take a screenshot of the episode you're listening to and share it on Instagram. Tag me at Your Reading Tutor. Okay, let's do it. All right, everyone, welcome to today's episode of the Reading Project Podcast. I'm really excited to have Emily Gibbons back with us today. She's been a guest on the podcast before, and it's always a pleasure to work with you. So thank you, Emily, for coming
1: today. Thank you so much for having me back, Ashley. Always a pleasure, and I'm really excited to be here. Great. Can you tell our listeners just a little bit about
0: yourself and your background? I know you do so many things, and we're specifically here to talk about decodable books today, decodable texts, but give us a little bit about your background and, and tell us about why you're the the expert on this.
1: Sure. I'll, I'll, I feel like I wear a lot of hats, but first of all, I'm a mom of four. Uh, I've been in education for, let's see, over 23 years now. Kind of crazy to say that, kind of aging myself in a way maybe, I don't know. Um, But I was a classroom teacher uh, for 12 years and then uh, transitioned into just strictly being private practice. Uh, While I was a classroom teacher, I became very interested in becoming trained in multisensory instruction and the Orton-Gillingham approach. So before I had kids and when I was teaching third grade, I became Orton-Gillingham trained and then continued on to study further to become certified. And now I guess my specific title is Structured Literacy, let me know, Certified Structured Literacy Dyslexia Specialist. So that means that I work directly uh, with children who uh may or may not have a dyslexia diagnosis, but offer reading intervention. Using the Orton-Gillingham approach, Uh, that is part of my business. But my other business, of course, is online with the Literacy Nest, where we offer resources, whether that be uh, digital downloads or professional development for teachers and families. And I've been doing that, gosh, since my boys were my twin boys were babies. So that all started back in 2012. So over 10 years now, it's been a really, really exciting process. And through that, I've been able, I think, to create a lot of just wonderful communities of people learning about dyslexia, providing resources, also just being able to more recently publish hardbound copies of decodable text, which has been really, really exciting. And I have my own podcast which is together in literacy with casey harrison and which is really exciting And I think my other exciting venture, of course, is Tutor Success Academy, which is helping tutors grow uh, thriving businesses. I remember being trained in Orton-Gillingham, but never getting the business side of how that would all play out. And that's a really important side of things. And so we do love helping other people like me who want to start their own private practices, but may not be quite sure how to go about doing that. So that is kind of like me in a nutshell. And it's when we're talking right now, it's spring season. So all the sports have started. So you probably, if you did see me, you would find me either on a soccer field or a baseball field.
0: (laughs) Yes. I'm sure we have a lot of listeners that can relate to the the busyness of spring scheduling, even just like the end of the school year. If you don't have kids in sports, just end of the year field trips and conferences and all of that. So I think, you know, the science of reading and decodable books, those those phrases and terms, those things are kind of more trendy. I hate to use the word trendy, but like they're more out there because of the recent podcast sold a story. So more people are learning about these things and they're hearing and, and they're wondering what what does this actually mean? So today specifically, I would love it if you could tell our listeners, what does it mean when a book is decodable and why do children really need access to them?
1: That's a really great question. And I like to use a a little analogy that I learned from one of the writers of phonic books, decodable books, and we refer to decodable text as the training wheels. So as we are learning to ride or help a child learn to ride a two-wheeler bicycle, we always may start with the two putting the training wheels on first, right? To help them learn balance. And do we keep the training wheels on forever? No, we take them off the minute we feel like, you know what, they're ready to try this on the own, their own. So decodable books really can be compared in that same analogy because we are offering children the chance to practice what they have learned about sound symbol relationships maybe in their phonics lessons and putting it into real application within the confines of decodable text when a text is decodable it's really going to depend on what has what actually counts as decodable for your particular learners. So you wouldn't be providing a book that had skills and concepts in it that hadn't already been taught. So if I have a a new student that is really only able to read uh, short vowels, then I'm not going to give them a decodable text that would include vowel teams, for instance. I'm just going to get them to be able to practice with lots of exposures on those sound symbol relationships and helping them recognize those patterns, build up that orthographic mapping process. Yeah, it really helps to contribute to the self-teaching hypothesis, which is helping children really learn how to almost metacognitively use their own brain power to decode. And above all else, decodable texts, and I've spoken about this in the past, really support social emotional learning for children. Because children, when they're reading them, feel a certain level of success, which in turn, becomes motivating for them, which helps them want to read more and to continue on that path of success. So we are just helping support them in their journey. Decodable Text at the heart really is just helping to support the foundational skills of reading. Is that the only thing we use in the classroom? No. These are books just really to help them practice everything that you may have been doing in your phonics lessons more deeply within the confines. Maybe it's a short passage, maybe it's a book, maybe it's a poem. Um, there are even short chapter books. It really will vary how long a child needs to stay with the decodable text. Sometimes on average, if you have a typical reader, then it just might be like through first grade into maybe part of second grade. For someone with dyslexia, there really can't be a timeline placed on that because of other circumstances, perhaps working memory, things like that, they need a lot, a lot of uh, overlearning, is what we refer to in Orton Gillingham. So they need lots more exposures and a lot more repetition in practice. And so, uh, of course, you're going to be using decodable text a lot longer in an intervention setting. That pretty much is what decodable text, but children. All children really benefit from having access to to them. Okay, great.
0: So you mentioned that we won't use them forever, just like training wheels. What are some things that families can look for to know whether or not their child is ready
1: to kind of move beyond decodable text? That's a great question. So first of all, I would love more public libraries to have specific shelving devoted to... Real decodable books and collections, and I think we're on the cusp of that in 2023, but we aren't quite there yet. But that is greatly going to assist families with knowing what to look for. So, of course, your you know families can have conversations with their teachers, like what phonics skills are you working on right now with my child? Okay, oh, so they're working on H digraphs. Okay, so is there a decodable decodable book to support that? and have them practice. And, you know, of course, teachers can send home copies of maybe passages that they have, but make some book recommendations. And I think it's just a matter of when a parent is sitting and listening to a child read, there should be, first of all, a very high level of accuracy. So there should be no guessing, okay? Okay they should be able to read i would i mean when i read like about 90 with like 98% accuracy if we're stumbling over a lot of words there then that really may not be the appropriate decodable for your child at that time but if they are reading accurately and i'm not talking about speed in this case I'm talking about reading with accuracy and understanding what's happening in the story they ask if you know if you ask your child what's happening you know with this character or what's the problem or so forth they're able to communicate that
0: yeah I love that you brought up the the library piece because I think there is some confusion sometimes when you go into the library and you see like those early readers with like the one, two, three, and like, those are not typically decodable books and can often lead. You know, I was going through this a little bit with my daughter, Celia, because she's seven and working on her reading skills and those books, like she'll pick one with a one on it, but it's like not really words that she can sound out.
1: (laughs) Right. And I I have a seven-year-old as well right now. And I was on vacation last summer and it just dawned on me. I was in a a really nice bookstore. And it was a children's section and looking. And it's so typical. Whenever you go into that children's section, there is that, you know, beginning reader section and advertised. And the books that you look on display there really are not. (laughs) And it's frustrating for me as, as an educator to see that. But for a parent that really isn't well-versed in what decodable text is or how it can benefit a child, that's even more confusing because they're just picking up a book and thinking, okay, this is for, you know, beginning first grade. And when my child can't read that and they're feeling frustrated and a parent's confused, there just really is, I think, a very large disconnect in the books that we're offering right now on the shelves, not only in public libraries, but I think in bookstores too. And there has to be, more of an effort made in that area to help out. And of course, in our public libraries, because everybody needs access to these books, not just the ones that can afford them. Right. Absolutely.
0: All right. So you know, we've we've identified there's definitely a need here for, for more of these kinds of books. And I know that's work that you've been addressing through your writing. So we're going to talk a little bit more of the books you've written as well. But can you suggest some decodable books for our listeners
1: to check out? There are some really wonderful ones. And, you know, it's really going to depend on maybe the age and stage of their reading development or where they are. But I really love um, primary phonics is one that's been around for a long, long time that I think is great. Whole Phonics is another series that's been written by someone who's been Orton Gillingham trained and does a really wonderful job. Phonic Books is another great publisher that has lots and lots of books. I know Flyleaf is another one. For your older students who still benefit from decodables because maybe they're in an, in an intervention setting then you can still look there are some for font pho- from phonic books for them I love simple words there's a, a lot of shorter chapter chapter books that are highly decodable and the other publisher I really like for them is high noon I think they've done an excellent job over the years publishing lots of books there with very high interest topics. Saddleback publishing is really more for like your middle and high schooler if who needs a decodable. And then, of course, I've published one set of decodable books that would I classify as being more of a culmination of skills per book. So if you've come to the end of maybe a series of skills that have been taught, and you want to use this one particular book to sort of culminate all of that learning, then those books, they're from the Toucan series from Hegarty, have been really, really great in that regard.
0: Yes, they're wonderful. I've recommended them to several of my one-on-one tutoring clients to, to be able to have in the home. And then also I use them in my private practice as well. I think they're really fun. And I love that there is fiction and nonfiction in there as well. And on the back of the books, you put some of the skills that are within that book. And so it's it's actually been fun for me to even look at that with the students and say, okay, like you've been working on all these things and this book has these different areas, you know, so they can feel a lot of like confidence going into reading it because they know they've been practicing those skills.
1: Yeah. And what a wonderful feeling for a child to have a book in their hand that they can actually read and not feel like they have to revert to guessing at words they pick it up they have that feeling oh, I can read this that is so so powerful it
0: really is I think sometimes we don't put enough value or we, we underestimate like how powerful that really is for our kiddos all right so April is National Poetry Month we were we've released several episodes this month about poetry and and there's going to be an episode coming out about limericks and haikus and all kinds of fun things so You've just written a book of decodable poetry. So tell us more about that,
1: yeah. So I was finding sometimes even my um most challenged readers were still finding even a full page of text to be a bit overwhelming. And we would, you know, cover half page and and break up text and in that way to not make it feel that way. But when I was presenting it in the the decodable text in the form, and layout of a poem, it really sparked a new level of interest and engagement for these children. And so I began writing these poems several years ago And of course, I wanted to make sure that they followed a systematic progression of skills. So we weren't hopping around from skill to skill, but there were skills that built on one another. So when you look at Sprouting Seeds, which is the decodable book, it's called Sprouting Seeds, there'll be a table of contents. And in the table of contents, you'll be able to see the skills and how they follow that progression, starting with short vowels all the way up to digraphs blends long like um vce and so forth so and they go all the way up into more complex things like schwa vowels so you will see that the poems are highly decodable that is definitely a goal of mine kids really love the ones where you can read them with two different voices those are kind of fun for a family member to read with the child at home. These are great to send home even for extra practice or just to have a copy on your shelf. The greatest thing about Sprouting Seeds is that it has an ISBN number, which means that it can go and be cataloged in a public library. And so that is the, the goal here with that book and future books that I publish. This book, Sprouting Seeds, was published with the help of Simple Words Publishing, and I am just so thrilled to be working with T.M. Nebel, who wrote all the Simple Words books. She has really been so lovely and supportive of the Um, Whole process. And so we were thrilled to get this book into people's hands. The other thing is that the book is a nice size. It's eight and a half by 11. So the the font size is nice and big. There's plenty of white space, really uh, just a, a lovely copy to either gift someone or to have in your classrooms for National Poetry Month for sure. And if it's okay, Ashley, I would love to read one of the poems from it. Yeah, that would be
0: great. I'm excited for us to get to hear hear something from, so people have an example of
1: what, what kind of poem is in there. So uh, this is a poem with the skill to focus on schwa A. And so it's a little further down in the progression of skills for for some children. And so the title is called Wilma and Kenya, Wilma the Panda. Adopted by the Atlanta Zoo, her villa of bamboo atop a grassy hill, Wilma awoke on a sunny morning at dawn, not aware of the other panda. This new panda, named Kenya, may visit a while. These pandas were not alike. When the male panda entered her zone, Wilma took a look. Kenya sat across from Wilma, agreeing to share his bamboo. But Wilma preferred her villa, aloof, alone, and atop the hill. Kenya was aware and stayed out of her zone. Amid the bamboo, he awaits her approval. So I really feel like I can make a nice mental image with that poem, which is so, so important for our children to learn how to visualize. I love pandas too. And of course I chose Willie Wilma and Kenya because they have shwai at the at the end. Okay. So that that was one of them from Sprouting Seeds.
0: That's great. And so if our families, we'll make sure to include the link in the show notes so families can check out the book. And so just to sort of put it in an even simpler, the poems get more difficult. So if you, in terms of reading this with your children, how would you suggest that families approach the book and and where to
1: start? Should they read in order, out of order? Right, that's a great question. So uh, it's going to depend. It's If you have a first grader that's really beginning their phonics journey in first grade, then you're going to, of course, be at the beginning and not hop around. And you can work your way up I would go in order in that case. And if you have a student that maybe has learned many phonics concepts and just needs some review practice, then I'm sure they can hop around. But I would really look very carefully at the table of contents and the skills that are matched to them and try to be aware of where your stu- your student or child is in their foundational skill development before putting them in. And now, of course, if there's a poem that your child says, but I want to read this one, then sure, you can, maybe you read it to them. Maybe they read some, you read another or switch back and forth. So we're not going to limit them in that way. If they want, if they're curious and want to hear a certain poem, then you, know, you can do that. But I would pay attention to the order.
0: Right. And I think it would be okay, you can correct me, uh, Tell to tell your kiddo, like, this poem has this kind of word in it or this um, concept that you might not have learned yet. Like let's find a word first, right. And look at it, talk about it, you know, a little bit. Or if you think there are words, like you could have your child preview it. Like, do you see any words in here that stand out? You really don't haven't read that yet because it's kind of like giving them a heads up that this one might be new to you. And so there might be a challenging word. So they're not surprised when they get to it.
1: I think that's a great point. And the other thing that a, a parent, could do is call attention to what the skill is and say, okay, so at the end, let, I'm going to ask you if you can pick out like three words that follow that pattern and put your finger on them. Okay. Or here's something kind of funny, what you could do. And I used to do this with my third graders. Whenever I would read a book that had a simile in it, I would, they would have to touch their nose. (laughs) So it was kind of funny. And that's how we were, you know, picking out figurative language. But you could do that with your own child. Say, okay, every time you see or hear a word or read a word with like SH or something, touch your nose, like tap your nose or something like that. And that's just a quick way to assess um, whether they're picking up on those phonic skills and concepts.
0: Oh, that's fun. I love that suggestion. I think Celia, my daughter, would love that too. So I'm going to try that with her.
1: I'm going to try that with mine too, because I just thought of that idea as I was talking to you, like, oh, I haven't done that in a while. Please do that again.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I always love to wrap up interviews by talking about books. We've obviously been talking about a lot of books already today, but what are some, what's the story you're reading right now with your
1: students or even your own children at home? Oh, well, this is great because so one of my students is a middle schooler who really is kind of graduated out of the whole Orton-Gillingham progression, but still benefits from help with some reading comprehension, written expression. So we're reading Millionaires for the Month by Stacy McNulty, and that is riveting. It is so, so interesting to me. These kids get, you have to spend like millions of dollars by a certain number of days, but there are a ton of Tricky rules to this. And it kind of reminds me of the 80s movie Brewster's Millions. Have you ever seen that movie? Yeah, it was like a real throwback. And so it kind of reminds me of that book in a way I kept thinking about that movie. Gosh, I hadn't seen that in ages. Um, But yeah, Millionaires for the Month is really, really good. She also wrote The Miscalculations of Lightning Girl, which is fantastic. And uh, The World Ends in April. So that is one book I'm reading with my students. With my own children, let's see. So we just had Easter. So everybody got a book in their Easter basket. So My Daughter Got Black Beauty and so she's starting that and then my twin boys I gave them the classic uh Peter Pan and Aladdin and the magic lamp and then my youngest son my 7-year-old is reading this funny series called Waffles and Pancake and so it's just kind of a silly like little cat story that it's it's a very early i would say graphic novel but he still very much enjoys all of the Elephant and Piggy books. So we do read those uh, quite a bit and still loves to be read to every single night. So I always remind parents, don't stop. Don't stop reading to your kids.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Those are all great books. I think my son would love the Millionaires for the month one. So I'm definitely going to have to check that out.
1: Yeah. One of my twin boys did read it. And when he was done with it, I said, hey, give me give me that book. <laughs> That's nice student that's in middle school so she's enjoying it
0: oh good good we'll make sure to include all of those titles and links to get those in the show notes um so our families can check them out as well as links to the toucan series and to your new decodable poetry book sprouting seeds awesome well thank you so much emily i really appreciate you taking the time to chat with me today oh
1: thank you anytime i'd love to come back
0: All right, everyone. I really enjoyed talking with Emily Gibbons today. Again, we talked about a lot of different books and resources, so we'll make sure to include those links down in the show notes and make sure that you have a place to go ahead and grab some of her decodable texts, as well as some of the ones she mentioned. So remember, decodable text... For your readers, they're like the training wheels of reading, right? Decodable texts, they're going to help your early readers, your beginning readers to master those phonics skills. And while often we use them with our youngest readers, that's not always the people who need it. Really, ev- all of our readers can benefit from access to decodable texts. And Emily even gave us some suggestions for middle school and high school readers that may still need that kind of text. So we'll make sure to include that in the show notes. And I love that she talked about libraries and bookstores and how we need more decodable texts in our libraries and bookstores in our towns. So if I I challenge you to go check out your local library and see if they have decodable books. And if they don't, maybe now you'll have some options to suggest to them uh, some different books that they can check out. All right, everyone, until next time, keep reading thank you all so much for listening it truly means the world to me if you love this podcast and have found it helpful and you want to help us reach more families you could do one of two things or both just take a screenshot and text your three best friends or teacher friends encouraging them to check out the podcast or take a moment and head on over to itunes and leave us a five-star review i love reading the reviews and hearing what you're enjoying about the show and how the show is helping you at home And I'd love to be able to give you a shout out on the show and share your review with everyone. So thanks again until next time. Keep reading.